Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. If you have your Bible, turn to uh, St. John's Gospel, Chapter 8. I'm just going to be reading uh, three verses of Scripture to you this morning. We're going to talk about them. Um, as you're finding John, Chapter 8. If you don't have your Bible with you, you can look on with somebody or you can just listen well. Uh, as you get ready to receive the Word of the Lord, let me say, uh, tomorrow starts a new month. Uh, we're going into July tomorrow. That means a new book of the month. And we always, every year, we rotate through all four Gospels in the calendar year. So every couple of months, we're back in a Gospel. Because the whole Bible talks about Jesus and God, but it's the, the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John that clearly show us a detailed description of the life of Jesus. And we need to keep our eyes on that so Beginning tomorrow, I want you to open up your Bibles to uh, the Gospel according to St. Matthew and be reading in Matthew through the month of July. It is a phenomenal book. It has got more Old Testament quotes in it than all of the three other Gospels combined. It is a broad view look at the life of Jesus Christ, and I know you'll be blessed to that. I, I know if you've been reading through the book of Ephesians, you've just been feasting on the riches of that book. And I appreciate everybody who makes an effort to read through the book of the month with me as we study God's word together. Right now, I want you to get your mind together. I want you to get ready to receive the word of the Lord. If you let church just be church to you today, it's going to be over in a little while, and you can go back to doing what you've been doing. But if you will let today be an encounter with God as he speaks to you through his word, then you have hope for a better life. And I Hope that you have hope for a better life. Let's look to the source of our hope in God's holy word in John chapter 8, verse 30. The Bible says, as he spoke these words, many believed on him. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. I want to speak to you this morning from a question, how free are you? See, this is, a, this is one of those titles where you could already just grab hold of that and realize we need more God. Pray with me. God, thank you for your word. I pray, Lord, that you would bring freedom into our lives today. Bring freedom into my life, into this church, God. Set us free, indeed, is my prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, I, we're... Uh, moving toward, 4th of July comes on a weird place this year. It, it comes on a Thursday. So a lot of preachers are going to wait until next Sunday to talk about 4th of July. But I got something different planned for next Sunday. So I'm going to do something I've never done before. And so you came to church on the right day. I don't believe in over 30 years of preaching that I've ever preached an Independence Day message in the month of June but buckle in. Here we go. You ready? This, this Thursday will be July 4th. We call it Independence Day, and America celebrates uh, Independence Day because on July 4th, 1776, the members of the Second Continental Congress adopted the final Declaration of Independence, uh, and it took them. How funny is this? Now, so the Declaration of Independence, July 4th, 1776, all right, that's when the um, – the, the settlers in America, the, the Brits that came over here because they didn't want to pay taxes and they were re rebellious and uh, wanted to break free from the man, they came over here and, you know, the man followed them and said, we're going to come over here and get your taxes anyway. And they, they finally wrote down this piece of thing that we call the Declaration of Independence. And in it, it says, uh, we're breaking loose from you and we're writing these reasons to tell you why we're breaking loose from you. And, you know, America became the, the nation uh, that was then, that is what it is today. But here's the most hilarious thing to me. It wasn't until 165 years later, okay, 1776, 
165 years later, Math Genius says that makes, what, 1941, that Congress even called it a holiday. Most people just think, oh, they've probably been celebrating July 4th forever, and maybe they were, but it wasn't announced as a federal holiday. Uh, I, I guess it's a federal holiday. Anybody get that day off with pay? Oh, I know you do. Y'all take every day. I mean, it, it, sneeze day. <laughs> Courthouse is closed. There ain't no judge going to work on sneeze day, cough day, tie your shoe day. Uh, but 1941, Congress declared that a holiday. That's just a little national news for you. But I, I want you to know freedom is something that deserves to be celebrated. Freedom from anything deserves to be celebrated. Uh, free, freedom from jail deserves to be celebrated. Amen? Fr freedom from crazy folk <laughs> deserves to be celebrated. Uh, freedom from the, uh, a, a debt, a bill. You know, if you, you ever get that last car payment paid, you, you find fr freedom is to be celebrated and our nation is going to be celebrating freedom in different ways that they do it. Uh, I really enjoyed. I had a lot of fun living in Middleburg, but I hated living in Middleburg in, uh, in, in this, during this week. You know why? Because July 4th is not the holiday for, for people in Middleburg. No, that, that, that's just, they got the pre-party. The mid-party, the party-party, uh, and it's just an excuse to shoot guns every night all week long. And I don't know about you, but I just don't like to be somewhere where crazy drunk people are just out shooting guns. That's a different message uh, for a different crowd. But listen, the moral of the story, hey, let me tell you, say something to y'all crazy gun people that get drunk and shoot guns on 4th of July and every other day of the week. Don't point the gun at the sky. You, you, you should have learned at some point in, in your musical listening career what goes up. Hey, do not be shooting guns in my neighborhood. We have the law on you. But anyway, we're going to have a lot of parties across the nation this week. People will be celebrating. I believe freedom should be celebrated. And as we gather here today in the name of the Lord, uh, we are free to do that in this country. And that's an amazing thing because, well, the, the more amazing thing is most of us never even give that any consideration. Most of us never even stop to realize that we have Christian brothers and sisters around the world. Christianity is, is not just a one-nation thing. God came to save people and has children from every nation, tribe, and tongue, every, every ethnic background, every, every different continent, every different city in, on the planet. God has children, hopefully in every city. But this is being celebrated all over, or God is being celebrated all over the world. But there are places in the world that our brothers and sisters in Christ can't freely gather. They can't walk into a church and say, I'm going to worship God today under threat of incarceration and even death. There are countries that are still hanging people and executing people for believing in Jesus Christ. So I want you sometime today to give God thanks uh, for living in a country that allows you to go to the church of your choosing. So we're here. We're in a free country. Uh, we're living as free people, not just free from the grip of British government taxation and oppression, not just free from the great sin of America's tyrannical slavery, uh, but free from, listen, the penalty of sin. I hope before you leave here today that you truly will be and will understand how great it is to be free from the penalty of sin. Somebody say penalty. Not just free from the penalty of sin, we can also be free from the stronghold of the devil. And let me give you one more thing. You can be free from yourself. Because many times and in many ways, we are our own worst enemy. People don't like to admit that because we're living now in a generation that hates personal accountability. We're living now in a generation that doesn't believe in working for what they get. We're living now in a generation of victimhood in identity politics. We're living now in a generation of people who want to blame everybody else and play victim all the time. But no matter who you say your biggest problem is, I want to hip you to some real facts today. Most of the time, the, problem, the person who's causing you the biggest problem is the one who looks back at you in the mirror. 
If you could just get yourself together, you wouldn't have to worry about what everybody else is doing. If you stay in your lane, you can still ride down the street. But America is this country full of people who claim to be free, but in all actuality still are in many ways bound by sin. There are people in this room that if we took time and we could find honesty would admit that they wish that they weren't bound to certain things. There are people in this room that wish that they could control their temper better. Amen? Anybody? Y'all don't want to be honest this morning. I, we, I'm preach longer then. There, there are people in this room that wish that they could break bad habits, get off drugs, alcohol, sexual addiction. There are people in this room that wish they could be more faithful to their Bible study, to their walk with God, to, to their covenant relationships. But in so many ways, even though we live in a free country, we are still bound to sin. The Bible says slaves to sin. If you've never taken the time to read in the book of Romans in chapter 5, 6, and 7, and 8, I want you to take some time to do that soon because the scripture tells us that sin should not have dominion over God's children. And I want you to know that there are plenty, people think, well, if we just need to get all of uh, the, the unsaved drug addicts off of jail. I'd like to start by getting all saved people off of drug addiction. We, people say, well, if we could just get all of, all of the bad people that don't follow Jesus to stop being so mean. I'd just like to see Christians stop being so mean. Okay, you got to start somewhere. The Bible says the judgment must start first in the house of God. So we got to deal with some things in our own lives, but we got people being held as slaves, the Bible calls it, to uh, sin. Being held captive, the scripture says, by the devil. There, there are people who, who if they be honest, you, you're just dealing with sins that you can't, you don't feel like you can break. E emotions that you can't shake, feelings that you can't fake. The truth is, uh, you, you want to get better but you keep reverting back to what keeps pulling you back. Now, you, you don't have to say amen for yourself, but do you believe there's anybody in this room that fits into that category? Anybody who's dealing with stuff that they want to stop dealing with. The reality is if we could get better on our own, God would not have to send Jesus to the cross. If we could get better on our own, we wouldn't have to seek God for help, but help is available. Somebody say help. Help is here, uh, we, we can get free from these, these areas of bondage. We can get free from these strongholds that grab us because the Bible tells us in many places that God is a deliverer. In Isaiah chapter 10, verse 27, the Bible says the anointing breaks the yokes of bondage. Listen, the anointing is not some magic dust. The anointing is not some, uh, some feeling to, to, to gyrate to. The anointing, as far as Scripture is concerned, is a person, and his name is Jesus. Jesus can deliver you from any problem you have. I, I, I'll make it easier on you. I, I won't call it bondage to sin or slavery to the devil's system. Jesus can fix your problem. Jesus can fix my problem. We, we first got it. Listen, everybody will tell you. We all, basically, I think most people on the planet in this country already understand the first step to solving a problem is to identify a problem and to admit it, to recognize it, and to take ownership of it. Now, I want you, you don't have to stand up, clap, throw money on the altar. You don't have to raise your hand, admit nothing, or even say anything out loud. But I want you to deal with the fact this morning that you have issues. You know how I know you have issues? Because we all have issues. The problem is some of them are issues that, that just, just need to be dealt with. And some of them are big issues that are tearing lives apart. And I want us all today to really be free people because I know without a doubt, listen to this, God can set you free from anything that has you bound. I'm going to say it again. God can set you free from anything 
that has you bound. Some people are bound. Listen, this is, this is sad to me. Some people are bound by situations that happen to them 10, 20, 30, 50, 70 years ago that they've never gotten freedom from. They've never gotten forgiveness from. They've never gotten healing from. They've never felt wholeness from. I want to tell you today, if you ask God to forgive you, you don't have to worry about what you did or what was done to you yesterday or 100 years ago. You can have freedom in Christ. Our God is a saving God, amen? Our God is a healing God, amen? Our God is a delivering God. We've got to walk in it. See, these are things we say amen to, but we really don't grab hold of. People will come to church on Sunday, and they will say amen to God being a delivering God, but will walk out the door right back into their bondage. People will come to church and agree and admit that God is able, but they'll walk back and not let his ability be their reality. And we got to learn how to walk in these truths that we talk about because I, I, I love America. I love the freedom of America, but I've told you for years, the independent spirit of America haunts us to this day. The independent spirit of a group of rebels that decided not to function under the government they were functioning under, but to come out and seek out a country to discover and to occupy and to build. It, it led to this mindset that is still prevalent today that says, I, I'm, I'm an independent man. I'm a strong, independent woman. I can do anything I want to do. I, I, I just pull myself up by my own bootstraps. Independence creates a, it, a situation that makes it very improbable for you to depend on God. So what we first need to understand this morning is do you want to be an independent person or do you want to be dependent on, well, I ain't dependent on nobody. I handle it myself. That's why you're all messed up now. That's why you still got problems now because you never realize that there is somebody greater than us, somebody stronger than us, somebody better than us, somebody bigger than us, somebody awesome named God who can deliver us. But I love America. With all America's problems, I love America. I, I know in my heart, I've traveled around the world, and I know that America is the greatest country in the world. If you don't believe that, talk to somebody who, who's from some other place. If you don't believe that, then ask yourself, why are all these people trying to come here? Ain't nobody trying to break into Russia. Uh, Russia don't have, have no detention stations on their border. You know what they got? Guns. Mm, that's a different message for a different time. We can go somewhere with that. But America is still, with all its issues, with all its problems, it's still the greatest country in the world because it was in many ways by some, not all, don't, don't kid yourself, by some of the founding people of this country, uh, attempted to set this country up on uh, Christian values, Judeo-Christian ethics, and a belief in the Lord Jesus Christ, and set his word as the standard for morality and government for our lives. But no matter what they really thought they were putting together, 243 years ago, uh, what America has devolved into uh, is a biblically illiterate group of folk. There's more knowledge available to us now than there ever has been, but in as far as Christianity goes, the average Christian knows far less today than what the average Christian knew 100 years ago. And they live less, pray less, volunteer less, work for the Lord less. I looked at a national survey that asked four very easy questions. You don't have to be embarrassed if you don't know the answers to these questions. You just need to learn. And we all need to continue to learn. We need to be lifelong learners. But listen to the state of America's biblical illiteracy. When asked in a national survey who preached the Sermon on the Mount, almost 60% of the people did not know. Now, you could take a guess at that. I've already told my kids, you, you, you don't want to look bad at the sports bar watching the game in, in, front, in front of your friends. So if somebody throws out a basketball question that sounds obscure and you don't know the answer, and they know a lot of the answers, but I said, if you don't know the answer, 
just quickly rotate between uh, Wilt Chamberlain, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Michael Jordan. You're probably going to cover a lot of bases right there in that area, right? I mean, that's going to be, that's going to give you a whole lot of answers to some basketball trivia. But I would think if even a lost person, even an unsaved, just never been to church person, if they said, who preached any sermon, I mean, you know, throw Jesus out there, the greatest preacher in the history of the world, but Almost 60% didn't know that Jesus preached the Sermon on the Mount. Half of them didn't know the answer to this question. And that might be, uh, there's some people in this room that don't know the answer to this question, but we need to learn, say learn. Here's the question that was asked. Is the book of Thomas in the Bible? Well, the answer is no. But half the people surveyed could not come up with the right answer. Oh, and it gets worse from there. 71% could not tell how many disciples Jesus had during his earthly ministry the answer to that would be 12 over 70 percent were not sure if this is in the Bible now you need to be sure about this now the concepts in the Bible but the statement that says does God help those who help themselves the answer is no people say well you know what the Bible says God helps those who help themselves uh well now that no, God helps those who depend on him to help them. Uh, well, uh, you know, at least the Bible says cleanliness is next to godliness. No, you can be dirty and come to the Lord. And cleanliness is next to godliness, not even in the Bible. Uh, but cleanliness is, is next to sanity. And, 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 and filth is next to nasty. All right? Biblically illiterate. This, this great country that we tell everybody about how, how great we are that used to know a lot about the Bible has less knowledge than ever. Listen, 100 years ago, they didn't have to have conferences for, to teach Christians. The church conferences, they didn't have to have church conferences to teach Christians how to raise children. Didn't exist. Grandmama knew how to raise children. Great-grandmama sure knew how to raise children. Great-grandmama wasn't having no trouble. Oh, my gosh. I, I don't even know. I don't even believe it. I have so many of y'all have told me, you know, you got upset because your little baby girl. I don't know why it's always girls. That, that, that 12 to 14-year-old girl must be a beast. Hey, I'm just telling the truth. Get mad at the truth if you want to. But uh, ask your mama, did you put her through some changes? Because they came to me and said, my, something has happened to my sweet little girl. She turned 12, and now all of a sudden she yelled at me, I hate you. <laughs> Crying all upset. Listen, I don't even think people told great-grandmama, I hate you. It would have it went from, from the tree limb. To, 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 to the frying pan, to the foot out the door. But they didn't have to have conferences on how to raise children. They, they didn't have to have seminars in the church about how to get out of debt. They didn't have to have uh, studies and books written on how to stay married or how to get off drugs or how to get off alcohol. They just followed this book, and this book kept them straight. We got everybody coming up with new ideas better than the Bible. See, see, the Bible says, let me just stay on it because some of y'all need to hear it because y'all just get mad at me every time I say it. And it's my job to root that spirit out. <laughs> just, 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 to, just to identify you real quick. See, the Bible says that if you spank your children when they are young, they won't shame you when they are old. The Bible says Physical discipline is good for your child. The King James Version says, if you beat them with a rod, they will not die. But this whole new generation, well, I just believe if you spank them, you'll create anger in them, and they'll grow up to be psychopaths. Well, let me tell you something that has been proven over the course of the last 60 years in America. If you don't spank them, they will grow up to be sociopaths. Everybody trying to come up with a new idea. But the Bible's got all the answers. Amen? This is what I believe, and this is what the Lord's church believes. But the church has allowed the world to shape, in many ways, how we think, how we have church, 
how we operate. We claim to be free people, but I believe many people are allowing themselves to be, to be in bondage to the world that you don't have to be, to be slaves to the thoughts, the attitudes, and the lifestyles of the world. If you read the Bible, if you study the, this religion, Christianity is designed by God to go out into the world and to change the world, to have an impact on the community that it is unleashed on. And it has in many ways, and that's awesome. But the sad reality is even though Christianity is designed to impact the world, in many ways the world has crept in and impacted, listen, not Christianity, but our version of Christianity, the way we think Christianity is supposed to be done. Big headline on uh, CNN this morning uh, on the Internet, big headline uh, showed some church up north that the dude got defrocked, and it was a 150, 134-year-old church in, in some weird denomination that I never heard of. And listen, if I ain't heard of it, it's, it's really off the radar. Uh, some ecumenical covenant, brethren, brother, sister, together, all free love church. Uh, you know that ain't God. Uh, they finally had a vote at their national convention, probably five of them, uh, but decided that it was time to defrock Pastor Gay Man. Uh, I don't know what his name is, but you get the picture. Uh, they took his credentials away from him. And they kicked the church out of their denial. They've been, they've been fighting the same battle. They've been, this church has been doing this forever. And they finally decided enough's enough because this church has become one of the leading churches of gay marriage, marrying people to animals, marrying people to stuffed animals, marrying people to anything that they love. They just let their homosexual pastor give you a church wedding with your pet rock. Now... I don't read that in the Bible, and I've read the whole Bible. We, we, we've let the church, we've let, you're like, well, we'd never stand for that. Really? Well, let, let's think about your favorite worship leaders that you buy their CDs from, that, that, that a bunch of them are gay, openly gay. Listen, here's the thing. I ain't got no problem with gay people. I, I, ain't, got, I ain't got no problem with alcoholics. I ain't got no problem with, with, with lesbians, drug addicts, or drug dealers. But don't flaunt it around and say you're good with it and God's okay with it. Then you're going to get a speech from me. Because everybody's got issues, but once you just publicly stand up there and say, this is our gay worship leader and, and we're just going to celebrate Pride Month. Listen, have enough shame in your foolishness to understand you just shouldn't parade. You don't put your dirty clothes out on the main line. Let God deal with that and get some real freedom from that. It won't be long. If God, if God doesn't send his son back soon to rescue us from this sin-driven world, it, it won't be long until people will just be, you know, smoking crack in the pulpit and be like, we're the crack-smoking church. There's some good translations of the Bible out there beyond the King James Version, which was the only version English-speaking people had to read for hundreds of years. Uh, but there, there, there's some good versions out there. But I honestly believe if, if the Lord tarries, uh, we're eventually going to get a homeboy Bible. Why not? I mean, uh, uh, America's dumbing down the standards of education so low that, that now they're, they're accepting e ebonically written uh, essays uh, uh, for college entrance, they're, they're, uh, for scholarship assessment. Uh, we're eventually going to get Yo, big, big Daddy was chilling down by the river with his homeboys when up jumped the devil. We don't need that version. We don't, we don't need to continue to drift down. We don't need to continue to lower the standard to where now we, we, we're being overrun in churches impacting not Christianity. Don't ever think that the world impacted Christianity. Christianity impacts the world, but the world can impact our version of Christianity, our version of how we do the truth. But I got news for the devil and the whole community and the world. As long as God gives me breath and the ability to pastor this church, we're going to do our best to stay inside this book. Christianity, I've told you many times, should be, say should be, should be a counterculture. A counterculture is that group of people who are easily identified 
beyond the masses. A group of people. Listen, if somebody from a gothic lifestyle walked in right now, uh, well, we'd tackle them. I told security, anybody walks in paler than me. I mean, these people, they stay out of the sun, put baby powder on their face to try to look like they're dead. Anybody walks in paler than me, wearing a trench coat in Florida heat, tackle them in the foyer. Take your trench coat off outside. Okay? But there are people that are easily identified. Now, you know, you, you could be a saved, sanctified, born-again, fire-baptized Christian driving a motorcycle, uh, being a doctor, a lawyer, an Indian chief. We might not really recognize that, you know, you get out there on, you know, on your little drive on your motorcycle. We might not recognize it. But if 15 dudes walked in with beards down to here, leather vest on, with crazy writing on the back of it, tatted up, uh, at look, looking like, we're going to tackle them too. There are just certain groups to, to purposely attempt to stand out from the masses. We had the hippies of the 70s. They, they just didn't want to fit into the man system. So they did everything they could. Listen, if you're still driving that hippie van, sell it on eBay. They're expensive right now. That, 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 that uh, dope-smoking well, Volkswagen van, boy, if you got one of those, you, you can retire off that. But they intentionally, and, and then it's so crazy now, I don't know what's next. I really don't know what's next. Uh, people already putting piercings in their face. Now listen, if it hurts that bad, you probably shouldn't do it, okay? That's just, you know, you, what's next? I mean, people just do crazy stuff, but we've got to figure out a way as Christians without piercing our faces, without shaving one side of our head, without doing anything uh, just crazy, we should be standing out intentionally from the world. People ought to, re you, you, if you've never had this, my prayer for you if you're saved is that you have this at some point in your life, that somebody will come up to you and say, are you a Christian? I just noticed something Christian about you. Uh, you. You ought to have somebody be able to recognize, not because you're mean, not because you're critical, not because you're judgmental. That, that, them people aren't Christians. They're just religious. But because you're kind, because you're loving, because you have peace and joy on the inside, because you have a connection to the Most High God. That's how we intentionally stand out. But to do that, we got to get free from our junk. You can't run a race piled down with junk. You can't. I've told people for years, I can beat Usain Bolt in a 100-yard dash. Ain't no doubt in my mind. I don't care how fast he is. I, I can whoop him in a 100-yard dash. If you strap an elephant to his back, I will outrun him. Well, let me say this. If you strap a dead elephant, the elephant might start running with him. If you strap a dead elephant to his back, I can outrun him. What am I telling you? You cannot run effectively in this life with all your junk tying you down. Anybody believe we got junk tying us down? Let's try to figure out how to get out of it. The Bible always has the answer. And in our opening text, the, the Bible says, uh, G Jesus said that you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. So talking about this freedom, and I, I read that, and I thought, okay, well, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. I know tons of people that know the truth, and it just bound us all day long. I know the truth and got my own set of issues. And so I, I, I see these things in the Bible, and if you've been around for a while, you know I call them disconnects. There's a disconnect in my brain when I read that because I know the Bible is true from cover to cover. If you think you find a problem or an error in the Bible, you need to have enough humility to understand, no, the Bible's right. There's the, the problem is up here. There's a disconnect up here. I'm just not connecting it right together because all the Bible is perfect. And so I see this disconnect uh, and in what Jesus says, if you know the truth, the truth shall make you free. So how is it the people who know the truth are still bound? Nothing wrong with what Jesus said. What he said must be right. So we got to find out what is really going on. And I have the answer. I've discovered the answer. We quote verse 32 all the time. They put it on T-shirts. They put it on doormats, door hangers, posters, pictures, artwork. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Uh, did, did the air blow up? Everybody's fanning. Well, everybody's not fanning. Some, do, do, do people get cold flashes? Just hot flashes. Well, I could use a cold flash right now because I'm sweating down my back. Disconnect, say disconnect. 
Let's put it. Let's, let's put this together. Uh, the answer uh, when, uh, to overcoming this disconnect by saying, "Well, I know the truth, but I don't feel free." Uh, the the problem is that verse thirty two is only an extension of verse thirty one. When you read the scripture, especially if you're reading outside of Psalms and Proverbs, you need to understand that the majority of these verses are connected through context. Verse 32 is almost always an extension of what's being taught in verse 31. But here in verse 31 is a qualifier, a prereq, one of those places where I tell you to look for the words if and then. Because when you see the words if and then, they're setting up a condition which is met to have a promise that can be acquired. And verse 31 says, uh, Jesus said to the Jews which believed on him, if you continue in my word, then you're my disciples indeed. If you continue in my word. So a lot of people say, well, I'm free because I know the truth. Uh, well, faking it till you make it might work in corporate America, but it's not honest. And God said you should always be honest. Now, you should be able to say you know the truth and you're free because you should be free in some ways. But if you've learned to step into this prereq, if you learn to follow the conditions of the Bible, you'll find out how you can have it for real and not just be talking about it. Because I'm convinced there's too many people that go to church talking about stuff they ain't walking. That's why the world won't come to church because they've already been to church. And, 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 and they don't believe that we live any different than they do. They don't believe we have anything more than they have. They don't see anything. And that's why so many people leave the Christian church and go look to other religions. Listen, I want to tell you something. Every other religion is a false religion. The only true religion, the only true God there is, is the Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So we got to learn how to work inside this religion, not look for something better, because there is nothing better. But I want everyone in this room to really be free. Today, Not just freedom that America gives us to come and worship God, but freedom that God provides us to walk with him, to really live out this Christianity that we talk about. People looking at the speakers. They still going on? Hello? Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? All right. Almost done. Stay locked in. We're, get, we're getting there. Uh, Jesus said uh, in verse 31, in John 8, 31, the Bible says, Then Jesus said to those Jews, which believed on him. People, Jesus was talking to people who believed in him. Now, I believe most of us fit into that group. Uh, there's probably some people in this room this morning that was, you know, uh, brought to church, came to church to please somebody else, came to church for some hidden nefarious reason that you don't want to admit. Uh, but most of us believe in the Lord. Amen? But that's not where the connection happens. That's not where you step into the promise. The connection happens with the phrase, will you continue in his word? Jesus said to those who believed on him, if you continue in my word. Now, if I started around this room with the Wyatt family and went all the way back to the sound booth and asked, are you really before God in honesty? Are you really continuing in his word, because that continuing word means to be ever-present in it, to always be where it is. Are you continuing in his word? That's where freedom comes from. See, most people uh, that aren't really saved or are new to Christianity think that Christianity is restrictive. When Christianity is anything but restrictive, it's completely freeing. People think Christianity is restrictive. Well, if I, have, if I become a Christian, I'll have to stop doing all those things that I love. What's that? Destroying your relationships through drugs and alcohol? That just really fires you up? Uh, puking your guts out at night because you drank too much? That just really woo to you? you? You'll have to stop? No, Christianity will give you the power to stop doing the things that you shouldn't be doing to begin with. It will free you from so much. But you have to continue in his word. That's where the breakthrough comes from, staying in his presence. Let me read it to you again, John 8, 31. Then Jesus said to those which believed on him, if you continue in my word, then you're my disciples indeed. Verse 32 starts with the word and. What does and mean? There's more. There's more to what's being said. But you've got to do verse 31 
to get to verse 32. If you don't do verse 31, you cannot get to verse 32. So here's my question to you. Don't answer out loud, but be honest with yourself. How free are you? from issues? How free are you from problems? How free are you from things that you know you need freedom from? There, there, I know there are things that you want to do that you're not doing. There are things that you want to stop doing that you can't stop doing. So this morning, I'm going to quickly give you a threefold formula for freedom that can change your life if you'll let it. Number one, you got to believe in Jesus. Say believe. You have to believe in Jesus. Many unchurched people, people that don't understand Christianity, think that coming to Jesus, coming to church, being a Christian is all about how you live. Being a Christian can only begin by how you believe. The Bible says by the way you live, you can't be made right with God, but you can be made right with God by what you believe. See, people want to think, well, you know, if, if uh, my unsaved child would just get off drugs, then, then, then life would be better for them. No, if your unsaved child would get saved, God would give them the power to get off drugs. People trying to clean the fish before they catch the fish. You got to get them in the boat of Christianity and let God clean them up. The world doesn't need to stop sinning as much as the world needs to come to Jesus so they can stop sinning. It starts with believing in Jesus. The second thing you need is to be a real disciple. Say real. If there's real disciples, then there must be fake disciples. And the Bible says there are many false brethren who have crept into our churches. Oh, man, I wish I had a real o meter this morning. I just hanging around Evelyn's neck and move through the whole room. And put, when I get it on your neck, a real fake, real fake. Where would you be? Oh, if Jesus came in right now and just went down the room. Real, fake, 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 real, fake. I got a point over here because y'all think I'm pointing at you. Fake, fake, real, 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 really real. Uh, wouldn't that be cool? Uh, where would you fit into that real or fake Christianity? Because Jesus said, if you continue in my word, then you're my disciples indeed. Modern day translation, for real. Are you for real? Or you just one of these church-going phonies? You're going to show. It's going to show. Here's the thing. It always shows. It always shows. Just give it some time. Well, you know, Pastor, I'm not really sure if Brother so-and-so is all that he's pretending to be. You tell me that, and I'm going to give you a lesson on judgment and criticism and, 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 and the reality that you ain't all you should be either. Because, you know, if you leave it alone, God will let you find out if it's real or not. That's why there used to be, the Bible says that there were some that used to be with us that ain't with us no more. The scripture says they went out from us because they were not part of us. They didn't, they were never, they were never with us. The scripture says they went out that it might be made manifest. They were never part of us. Not, and that's not talking about abundant life. That's talking about church. That's talking about Christianity. That's talking about uh, in Christ for real. There are people who are real and people who are fake, but I want you to make it in your mind that you're going to be a real disciple. Jesus said, if you continue in my word, then you are my real disciples. The third thing is you got to know the truth. Say no. So you got to believe in Jesus. You got to be a real disciple, and you have to know the truth. If you've been around for a while, you've heard me talk about this word know. It comes from a similar uh, word that's tied to an idiom of Hebrew culture, a euphemism for sex. The Bible says that Adam knew Eve, uh, and she had a child. Is that enough explanation? Uh, to know someone in this context is to be close and intimate, to be wrapped up around and inside them. You, this is what God wants you to do with him. He wants you to know him, not have knowledge of him. Everyone has knowledge of him, but do you really know him deeply on the inside? This, this is not just talking about knowing God, but here in verse 32, Jesus said, you shall know the truth. He's talking about the word of God. The same Jesus said in this same book in chapter 17 that God's word is truth. So this truth that he's talking about in John 17, 17 is the same truth he's talking about here in John 8, 32. Knowing God's word will 
sets you free. Now, see, this is why some people can say they, they love the Lord, but they have no freedom because they don't know the word. They don't know the truth. Uh, most of us believe in God, uh, but most people don't know the word. So let me ask you this this morning. Don't answer out loud, but how well do you know the Bible? I already showed you by survey, America's biblically illiterate, but have, do you know the Bible? You're here in church on Sunday morning. Do you know the Bible? Have you hidden God's word in your heart? How much do you know about the Bible? Do you live the Bible? Do you continue, there's that qualifier, in his word? Are you ever present before scripture? Listen, if you get up on Sunday morning and you start screaming at everybody, where's my Bible? I can't find, uh, if, you, if you tell your mother or dad, I can't find my Bible. And they're like, get your Bible, going to church. I don't know where my, if you don't know where your Bible is, you are not a real disciple because you're not ever present with the word. You're not continuing in the word. Listen, you ought to have a Bible at work and at home. You ought to have a Bible where you can access. Listen, when I first got saved, man, America was a Bible culture in the 80s. Uh, there was a group of people, everybody carried around that little pocket Bible. You know why? They, they want to make sure you had your sword with you. You quick draw that. The sword is the little sword that, that would be used for quick, close encounters. Uh, I, I don't, I'm not saying you got to carry a Bible in your pocket. Uh, most of you have a phone. You ought to have the Bible on your phone. God knows you got every other app in the world. Put a Bible app on your phone and get yourself close and ever present before God's word. So the scripture is telling us that the truth will make us free. His word is the truth. Knowing Jesus, living out his word continually will make you free. Now, I'm talking about uh, this freedom gives us access over sin. Say over. See, most people are held under the power of sin right now. Most people have some type of sin that is over them. But freedom gives us, uh, and Jesus gives us freedom over sin, and we need to be free from sin in three specific areas. Say three. Freedom from the penalty of sin. That's death and separation from God forever in a devil's hell. If you haven't experienced freedom in Jesus from the penalty of sin, you should not sleep well at night. You should, you should be fearful of what's going to happen to you when you die. But if you have experienced the Holy Ghost, new birth, born-again experience, then you ought to understand that you are free from the penalty of sin. Secondly, you need to be free from the power of sin. That, that's, that's, that's even from saved people. The, the, you need to be free from the power of sin, that, that, that power of sin that drags you back to doing things you've said you're not going to do anymore, the power of sin that keeps you bound in areas that you say you want to be free in. And, and not only can we be free from the penalty of sin and the power of sin, but ultimately if you're saved, one day you will be free from the presence of sin. And what a glorious day that'll be when you don't have to fight the devil no more. When you don't have to put up with, with ignorance no more. When you don't have to put up with yourself anymore because there's no sin in God's presence. But you got to make sure that you, that you, are, that you are, have this freedom in all three of these areas. So I want to ask you in closing, how free are you really? How free from sin are you? You need to be honest. We need to start at the starting point. Are you really free from the fear of hell? Do you know that you know that if you died today, if the world ended today, are you really going to close your eyes in this life and open your eyes in the presence of God? See, the Bible says for the Christian to be absent in the body is to be present with the Lord. The Bible teaches that for the Christian, when you close your eyes on this side, you open your eyes up uh, uh, immediately. In the next life. That's for saved and unsaved folk. When you open up your eyes in the next life, where, what are you going to be looking at? If you're not sure that you know Jesus to the point where he's prepared a place for you, because he promised for his followers, for his real disciples, that he has a place prepared for them. Are you free from the penalty of sin? Are you sure that you're born again? See, the problem with people who've been in church a lot is most people have walked an aisle and prayed a prayer and said they got saved. And for some people that works, and for some people it doesn't. I've done it many times in my own life, and it, 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 it never worked for me. It never did. Not one time. 
Walking an aisle, I'm not saying it won't work for you. I know people that it did work for. But I didn't get saved until I came to a real encounter with God in my bedroom on July 15, 1981. Just me and the Lord. There was no preacher's hand to shake. There was no organ grinding. There was no, no, no people to, to impress. I just got down on my knees and I asked God to save me for real. And he changed me so drastically, I've never felt a need to walk an aisle again. Some of y'all wonder, every time we have one of these big altar call invitations, uh, if you should walk the aisle again. Some, some of y'all pray to get saved every single time we talk about getting saved. If you ever get saved for real, that issue will be settled. And you can have freedom from the penalty of sin. But if you're still struggling with that, if you're still unsure about that, the Bible says that God has written these things to us that we may know that we have eternal life. Eternal life is too big of a thing to take a chance on. Heaven and hell is too big of a thing to take a chance on. You, I talk to people and I ask them, are, are you going to go to heaven when you die? Well, I sure hope so. Man, I, I, I wouldn't. I mean, no, if, if, you, if you bring a dessert to July 4th, which that's available Wednesday night, anybody want to bring a dessert and help out with some stuff to eat, you can do that, bring a dish. If you brought something to eat uh, thir- well, July 3rd, Wednesday night, and, and somebody said, is, is Sister So-and-So's uh, sweet potato pie good? As I go to dig into it, I'm going to say, I hope so. You're going to know by my reaction real quick whether or not it is or it ain't. I'll take a chance on, on peach cobbler. I really will. I ain't, I ain't had much bad peach. I'll take a chance on peach cobbler. I, I'll take a chance on potato salad. But I'm not taking a chance on eternity. And I don't want you to take a chance on eternity. Some of y'all hoping that what you've got right now is real salvation. Let me tell you this. If it was real salvation, you'd know it. You wouldn't, you wouldn't even flinch on it. You would never lay in bed or sit in a church and think, what if I'm one of those ones that ain't really saved? He has given us this book that we might know. You ought to know this. I mean, it used to be so easy. Pastoring used to be easier than it was, than it is now. You used to be able to tell people, you, you, you ought to know whether or not you're a Christian like you know whether or not you're a male or a female. And this country got so ignorant people acting like they can't make you can make that determination and it ought to be just that easy for you to know are you really if you're not really saved you just ought to get saved well what do people think people will be happy for you and people ain't your judge anyway people can't put you in heaven and people can't put you in hell you need to get right with God how free are you as a Christian from repetitive sins those things that you keep going back to that you said you were going to quit God can give you freedom for that Jesus is the anointed one he can break that yoke he can set you free but you got to continue in his word see here's what here's what church folk want church folk want to not do the work of a disciple the root word Jesus said if you continue in my word you're my disciples for real the root word for a disciple is discipline and, and church folk don't want that. That's why they just want to live crazy all week long, and they want pastor to come down and slob oil on them and pray for them and, and speak a blessing over them like, like in that Rocky movie. How many of y'all remember Rocky was going to the fight? He had to stop by the priest, scream at the priest, wake the priest up, and say, give me a blessing. I'm going to a fight. He thought like, God, oh, that, that's a Catholic mindset. I was born into the Catholic Church. I can speak to this. That, that's uh, just live any kind of way and you just have Father so-and-so tell you your sins are absolved. It don't work that way. It doesn't work that way at all. You, you want somebody to, to, to touch and agree and pray over you and, and to speak life and blessing over you. That ain't going to happen if you won't put the crack pipe down. We could have everybody, and we've done it. We've done it before. We did it in the end of Blanding Building on concrete and had people falling and bouncing on concrete. We could have everybody in the church come up to the altar, just drop everybody on their backs. But if you get up and you walk out and you pick up that same sin that you were struggling with when you came into the Lord's church, that does nothing for you. Discipleship is about discipline. Well, I just believe one day God's going to, Deliver me from these whatever. God's already given you everything you need to walk in freedom. 
It's up to you if you decide to continue in his word or not. Uh, first Bible I got when I surrendered my life to be a full-time pastor. Uh, the man who gave me that Bible, early mentor I had, uh, named Bob Lynch, he wrote in the Bible something that was so impactful. It wasn't new to him, but it was new to me. And it showed itself true all these years, and it will continue to be true, that sin, this book will keep you from sin, or sin will keep you from this book. Did you hear me? This book will keep you from sin. The, the, one of the greatest testimonies I ever heard my mom say, my mom got saved for real. After I got saved and Dina got saved and my mom got saved, my mom got saved for real, but she was a three-pack-a-day Marlboro Red Box cigarette smoker from the time she was probably 11. Didn't start with three boxes, but she got up to that. I mean, my mom would light a cigarette on her way to the bathroom in the morning to use the bathroom. Uh, and she was a chain-smoking, always-smoking person. And she didn't let another church folk fade her. She'd go to church, and they'd be like, well, you smell like cigarettes. She said, oh, yeah, I love to smoke. My mom wasn't faded. Uh, she came to Christ, got saved for real, still smoking. Let me tell you something. God can deliver you when you continue in his word. Not just because you walked an aisle and prayed a prayer. My, the great, one of the greatest testimonies my mom ever gave, she said, because my mom was having her quiet time, she'd be just sitting there puffing away. Uh, writing poetry to God, singing praise songs to God, reading God's word. She was in her bed one night. My mom smoked in bed all the time. Hey, I don't advocate it, but she never burnt the house down. Uh, she was smoking, uh, reading the Bible, and ashes fell on the Bible and messed up her page in the Bible where she was reading. And she thought, I ain't having this. I'm not going to let these cigarettes hurt my hurt 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 my my access to God's word. I, I, I ain't mixing this. And, and and she said to she didn't need a gum, she didn't need a nicotine patch. She asked God to let me be free of these things because I want to hold on to your word with both hands, not one hand on the Bible and one hand on the cigarette. You might maybe don't smoke, never smoke. Well maybe you want to hold on to God with both hands, not one hand holding on to God and another hand holding on to gossip. Being negative, being critical, being mean. Not being loving. You got to embrace this thing. You, this, this, this book will keep you away from sin if you will continue in it. Some people here are bound by sin. You need salvation. Some people are bound by strongholds. You need deliverance. And some people are bound by bad habits. You need discipline. I can't point you out today. Now, some of you, I have a real good idea where your spirituality is from having spent time with you. For some, it's, it's, it's saved, and for some, it's deceived, thinking that you're saved. But whatever your need is today for freedom, freedom spiritually can only be found in Jesus Christ. You have to believe in him. That's the beginning point. So my question today is, which one of these three areas do you need freedom from? Do you need freedom from your fear of hell? Well, you need salvation. Do you need freedom from things that keep dragging you backwards as a Christian? You need deliverance. Do you need freedom from habits that keep tripping you up? You need discipline. Whatever your need is this morning, God is able to meet your need. We're going to have a time right now uh, of prayer. I want to give you an opportunity. I want to give everybody an opportunity this morning before we leave to spend just a couple of moments in prayer thanking God for freedom. Not free, not just freedom for America. That's cool. Be, be all that you want to be. But the freedom that was purchased for us on Calvary's cross. The freedom from the penalty of sin. We ought to take time today. Some, some of you, in just a minute, you ought to come up to the altar and pray and tell God that you love him. Some of you never prayed on the altar. Some of you, it's been too long. I want you to take time to do that. I want everybody, if you're physically able and you can, I want you to stand on your feet with me. Let's pray together. God, we sanctify this time to you now, God, as holy God. We sanctify this time to you now to do your work your way. God, we want to take this time, and we want to talk to you. 
And we thank you that you hear us when we pray. God, I ask you to have your way now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to aocfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people.